special time of the week so let's hit him with the takeaway message of the day i've been reading a lot about sales with my new venture and a big piece of sales is rejection Mm -hmm. and so what is the right mindset to come in um so i've been struggling with the positivity to negativity ratio when i show up and like what's my behavior like you know am i being unreasonable when I am so positive, uh, I've read a couple of Tony Robbins books. I you can watch YouTube's on all these things. And I've been reading this book by Daniel Pink, which is called the, To Sell as Human. And what he talks about is something that I haven't heard before, and it's called interrogative self-talk. Okay. So before you show up for, let's just say you have a sales call, mm-hmm. instead of saying, I'm the best salesman in the world. I'm going to nail this. I'm awesome. Or be the pessimist. This sucks. You actually ask yourself, can I make this sale? And what it does is it actually puts you at a natural problem solving state. So when a question gets asked, you dive right into like, well, Mm -hmm. duh, nobody else can do this or whatever it is. So every time you approach a new situation, instead of, the self-talk because if you ask this can i make the sale and the answer is no well you're then not you're you're not prepared or you're not doing the things that you need to or you don't believe in the product enough or whatever it is yeah so it takes a different level of um, approaching things so you know like can i do this presentation today well yeah i i know this shit so things like that well and you made a great distinction about like approaching a meeting as like this is going to go great you know which is kind of the positive psychology that a lot of people have relied on for Mm. um for how you should approach some of this stuff yeah and it's it's fascinating because i think that like auto suggestion people call it of telling yourself you're going to do a good job is important or believing in yourself yet there's kind of a dishonesty in some of that stuff. Oh, it's a little bit fanciful. Yes, exactly. And so this is a great way to kind of test yourself before your meeting or whatever it is and just keep asking yourself these questions to really prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, it gets you to focus on, you know, what is important? Like, what are your qualities that you can make this sale? And so I thought that interrogative self-talk was a great thing that I've never heard about before. And I be- I've read a ton of self-help books and done mm-hmm. a ton of stuff. And this is the first time I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. So this must be a newer one of uh, Mr. Pink's new. work. Yeah, It's brand new. It's his newest mm-hmm. one. And I found a list on Reddit of like the top 30 sales books. Mm-hmm. So I bought the first five and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because in the book they talk about who is good at sales. Mm-hmm. It's actually not introverts or extroverts. It's ambiverts. Mm-hmm. Because they can balance their their need to talk and yeah. listen, and they they are better at striking the balance of like what's important to talk about. So you and I have both taken a fairly 
substantial um, kind of career changes as of recent. And uh, we were talking about how um, there's an interesting point in your life when the career you're in or whatever stops accelerating your growth or your potential at the rate at which you are looking for. Mm-hmm. And that'd be an interesting topic to talk about. When When is the tipping point? How do you know if what you're doing is really value-added work or you're just slinging bullshit with no hopes of it actually furthering your career in any particular way? I think that's a really good and complicated question to ask and I've struggled with is this the right point or not mm-hmm. one of the things I always ask myself is what I'm getting out of the experience and does this align to kind of where I want to go like what are my goals or what am I shooting for in my career what lessons do I want to learn when you sign up for a job you're kind of signing up for like an apprenticeship you're signing up to take and learn a certain skill or learn a variety of skills or learn an area of a business um, learn sales, whatever the skill it is. And then you kind of, what we talked about, you learn for a while and then you reach this point where you're like, get me out of here. And certain leaders, that point may not happen. Well, and I think that's a huge distinction between what contributes to the fact that millennials leave their jobs on average after two years. Mm-hmm. And older companies or older individuals say you're, uh, you know, you're gen or excuse me, the baby boomer generation was, you know, they were lifers. Uh, I I think there's so many different confounding factors there, but one of them is most certainly, yeah, there was was a certain stick-to-it-stick-to-itiveness that probably isn't there with young people today. There's a certain loyalty that probably isn't there. Um, But there, there also is so much that is put in our head about like, forming the optimal life and things like that, that I think we become so much more demanding. And um, I think it's a function of a lot of the archaic workforces that don't provide enough innovation or enough opportunity for young people to keep them interested Mm -hmm. beyond the scope of their, you know, their employment. So I think, I think what's happening is just like older jobs have not caught up with the um, appetite really for, uh, for work. Opportunity. Yeah. The appetite for opportunity for a lot of young people. And, and I say that and I, I remove a lot of the, you know, a lot of the negativity. I, I remove a lot, a lot of the negativity and I, I, I'm just speaking in generalities here about fortune 500 companies across the board. You obviously have your smaller companies that do a better job of this or, you know, your big Googles or whatever that are really great. But we're talking about a trend across, you know, an entire working population. And it's kind of funny because I'm literally coming up on my two year anniversary at this place. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So it's, it's playing out totally in my, in my career. And I'm, really excited to to leave because um i really did feel stale like i I felt like okay i'm no longer a builder of what's going on here i'm more of 
I'm just like a well spring of knowledge that people come to and are like, why do we do it like this? Drink some cup of water and then walk away. Pretty much. And then I was, and it just wasn't, I was, I didn't have the freedom to go out and like build value where I thought it was really exciting. Think of your larger organizations. They've been successful because of the old model. And I think there is a new model of hiring people, of job support, this whole work from home thing, like, I think there's going to be a massive change in owning a business. I think there's going to be so many people that are going to start to own their own business in the next well, 20 years. There already is. There is just such an influx of like small timey entrepreneurship that. Oh my gosh. It's, it's the number one trend in businesses is I'm, I'm going away from the big job and doing my thing on my own. And I'm going to sell whatever it is. <clears throat> yeah. And it, I, I think it's a really cool I'm always a little bit concerned about like, well, how are the dynamics going to change when these big fountains of substance, I'm talking about your channel fillers, like your Walmarts, your whatever, are, are the market is being flooded with all of these minuscule opportunities that are challenging mm -hmm. the big establishments. And I always kind of wonder, like, how how is this going to all play out when consumers have so much more choices? But the number of choices that are they're going to have in the industry are are, are going to become infinite. Let's take our underwear for the example. I mean, Just Brown underwear. It's a they're extremely comfortable underwear, and it's a hilarious concept, and it makes nothing but practical sense. But Nowhere, you know, and if you look at the underwear entrance, you've got like people like MeUndies or um, Calvin, Klein. Calvin Klein or Mac Weldon, who are all kind of in this space of like diversifying and, um, you know, accelerate this trend 50 years from now. There's going to be 3000 underwear distributors mm -hmm. uh, until until kind of the, you know, everybody gets bought up and sold and whatever, like, whatever like that. But yeah, it, just the, yeah, the, it just feels to me that there's going to be so many small, so many choices to pick from in the future. So many choices and no way to no way to very, sift. Very difficult way to sift because we all know that when when you are posed with six things, you're not going to make a decision. You're posed with two. You'll make a decision. Yeah. And so how do we, how do you gain attention? How do you do sales? It's going to be 10 times more complicated mm -hmm. than it is today. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if you're an underwear company and you get at Walmart, you're, you're set. Mm -hmm. Like you, you got your big sale and now you're, you're clear today. That's not the market. The market is going out to Facebook and you know, all yeah. these other ways of aggregating sales and aggregating customers and aggregating a brand and telling a story and then there's going to be a new co it's just the competition is so different and nuanced that it just requires such an advanced model and it's the, it's fun to be in it is fun i, I was uh, looking at hiring freelancers for some for some of this work and uh, I saw uh, two pretty hilarious pay-per-click Facebook campaigns. So Facebook has a technology called the Pixel where you can basically embed it into your website so it monitors the overall traffic and then it optimizes your ad placement based on what specific goal you want to track. So if you want to track the purchase of a device, you can have the Facebook Pixel monitor that activity and then optimize your ad 
mm-hmm. so that to drive traffic to like drive machine that. learning basically. Yeah, and it was pretty hilarious because I was looking at this guy's uh, account and he had spent a hundred and eighty thousand dollars on Facebook ad revenue, and their cost per click target. Uh, they had made two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, two and a half. Like yeah, two, two x around there. Yeah. And then I saw uh, another campaign that had almost the exact same ratio of spend to cost per click. So what I thought was pretty hilarious is I was like, man, if you think about it, all they're doing here is they're finding like what the consumer finds as an acceptable rate of money to pay per click, mm-hmm. and then they're just they're just there's optimizing it but it's completely arbitrary from their perspective they're not actually optimizing how much cost per click you spend on developing a customer Mm -hmm. what they're optimizing is how much cost per click you are willing to pay for your particular account that's fascinating isn't it so they're actually playing you with the algorithm even though they say it's the customer yeah they're like oh you know well we could we plot your ad against all these other things and i mean they do do that but the reality of it is their optimization comes from how much they can figure out to make you go all in on exactly on dumping your revenue sales exactly more facebook sales exactly it's a they flipping the script on you isn't that trying to optimize it's so fucked up. It's so messed up. <laughs> just can say it. It is. It, well, it's extremely disheartening to be like, gosh, these guys are using me. And the reality is you're getting what you have wanted out of it anyways, $250,000 in sales. Two, what, yeah, you're getting a 2x. Yeah. You need two, and okay, we'll, we'll play your game to get revenue. Exactly. As okay. long as we can do it enough and then make enough margin in our, in our math model, we all are going to win. Yet, when you look at Kind of from a, a higher perspective, it's like it's just numbers gaming each other. And it, and it just seems sort of like total bullshit because ultimately the person who loses is the consumer in the model. Oh, for sure. They're getting completely... Um, because then what happens is you have to start building in these insane margins and the next thing you know you got inflation, price, in, price inflation. Yeah, $240 for a pair of slacks, you know, whatever. Yeah, So real. I don't know. It's just uh, it's this interesting thing because we've not really gone all in on the pay per click advertising and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's not something we um, we don't stand for. We're here we're, for our customers. Yeah, we're, we we like to do organic. So uh, justbrownunderwear.com dot com, and you can get the most organic browns on the market. Most organic, they are sitting in the cage right now. <laughs> so they're not cage free. <laughs> they're not cage free undies. They are, they are definitely not dairy free. They're not dairy free. They're gluten full. They're gluten proof. Really, yeah. <laughs> we so, should. We should. I think we should specify their gluten and dairy proof underwear. I actually have looked into how to. It's expensive to be cl- to be gluten free certified. Because we have been getting a lot of people saying, "Well, when you guys go gluten free, that's when I'll buy." So I mean, we, we've hit on it twice, how 
uh, how do we how do we address this consumer being the loser in the situation? Because we've we also talked about how like there's this huge trend in people starting their own business, which is really awesome and uh, providing much more independence. And then also these situations where the consumer is is the loser. So do you feel like it's balancing it's actually balancing out in the end or do you feel like there is more of the consumer being taken advantage of by big systems because i'm kind of in that i'm kind of in that I'm department definitely in consumer i mean you, you just an easy way to look at it is the amount of debt we're in i mean people are buying things they don't need they're buying houses they don't need they're buying cars they don't need like you go to the finances financial numbers and that's where it hits you is People are getting taken advantage of because they think they should be buying these things, yet most of the time they probably shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So I think that puts these consumers at a disadvantage, and it's unfortunate because a lot of these companies and people are taking advantage of that. You think of all of the mortgages that were doled out in the last 20 years. How many of those were just completely bogus in order to get a bonus up for somebody? Yeah. I mean, if you really going into that health care, that, that crisis of housing is, uh, it's, it's sickening, actually. It is. Big Short's a great film on that phenomenon. I highly recommend it. I think as a consumer, though, you can arm yourself and you can find out the right information and do your research to figure out. Because I think, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast, the age of information is here. You yeah. can research yourself. So mm -hmm. find out, you know, what their business model is. Figure out for the reviews. Like you can go in and find that out and speak with your feet, speak with your pocketbooks. Don't write about it on Facebook. Like how you spend your day, your energy. So if you're on Facebook, you're giving back to that community mm -hmm. that is where like mm -hmm. attention everybody is talking about is the new currency. medium and currency yeah what you spend your attention attention on is what you attention and time um that is really what you are supporting and believing in so if you rip instagram all day mm -hmm. facebook's got you nope. doesn't matter if you don't own their stock or whatever it is it's it's a difference and that is right on par with the crap in crap out um article that you shared a couple a couple days ago about how oh, yeah, like yeah. if you if you um watch crappy sitcom tv if you watch you know listen to listen, shitty lyrics on a rap yeah, song exactly like, you know all of the things that some of these music it's it's sending you a message subliminally you uh -huh. may not be thinking about it but like it comes up. Well, there was a interesting young man who showed up at our peer-to-peer -peer mental health support group one Tuesday night, and he was talking about how how hard it is to stop taking prescription drugs and smoking weed and all this stuff. And I was like, "Well, do do you hang out with people that do that?" And he's like, "Well, yeah." And what do you guys do? Well, we sit around and we listen to Lil Pump and we do that stuff. And I mean, like, that's what that's what they are telling you to do is like, go drink Henny and take Xanax. Like, that's the yep. words of the lyrics. So, like, how could you be, you know, what, what boggles my mind is sometimes we think we're oblivious to 
the programming that occurs from literally every single message. Because I think water is going to be one of the biggest crises, if not the biggest next crises of our entire you know, our entire existence. And it's something that Matt Damon's solving for all of us. Well, that's the good part is we don't have to worry <laughs> We've about it. We've got Jason Bourne all over it right now. Yeah. So. Which is which means we don't even need to be concerned. We don't. I mean when you put your best man on we, it, we the literally guy, chose the best person we could possibly the go guy, after. The guy's been to Mars, even though nobody's been to Mars. He lived there and tricked somebody. Tricked somebody. I mean, he he's just a crafty guy. He he's good at thievery. You know, <laughs> he, he's had a stint in the in the uh, in the, the Vegas community. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, the he, Vegas. He's robbed a unrobbable casino three times three times with his best pals <laughs> and it looks like a hell of a lot of fun it's if a ragtag so. crew that's that's what i'm that's, that's for damn sure it's not like your top brass that's for sure he manages to work through it all yeah uh doesn't go smoothly but i'll tell you what he is uh he's lovable he also sure. has really picked up poker he yeah. had a he had a poker stint in his life yeah he sure did he got real aggressive into the card playing so you know, spent a little bit of time in the Ivy Leagues. <laughs> he was a janitor for a while. Yeah. Oh man! So talk about a well-rounded guy. So, if you, you know, want to put, if somebody... they're going to make fun of millennials for hopping from job to job, let's talk about Water Saver here. Yeah, let's he talk about He has gone Damon. from the he... most random jobs, acquiring skills to ultimately solve the world's biggest problem: water. He he's he's na- he's nailed it. He's pretty much modern day Leonardo da Vinci, I think is is he, exactly. He has soft terror, the problem on terror. He's just like <laughs> He's tough on terror. He's, <laughs> he's he's kept it at bay where it hasn't uh, completely blown up and he is on to bigger and better things now. Yeah, he's, he's you know, there was the a chance where it was, you know, trying to solve this problem of terror. Mm-hmm. And by God, he solved that problem. Holy shit, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> One of the best lines in a movie or in a documentary you will ever <laughs> Just a great docuseries on his, in oh, his, on his military it experience. It goes on and on mm-hmm. and on, too. Yeah, the, the supremacy, the ultimatum. Yeah. The, I don't even the, know. He's not are. even in one of them. He's so damn good. He doesn't have to be in his own damn movie. <laughs> He's behind the scenes in that one. His name. It's just his name brings up enough consternation that they have to, mm-hmm. you know, put somebody else in 006. I, yeah, I've actually heard that during the invasion of uh, Afghanistan, sometimes they would just say, send in Jason Bourne. <laughs> and then and then that would just clear out the whole the establishment. People usually would just walk out of the buildings with their hands okay, up. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Can we give up? We cannot handle Matt Damon here handle, in the flesh. We cannot handle this guy. And and before that, 007 carried that type of that type of international clout. The international, not to be confused with the international man of mystery, Mr. Austin Powers. <laughs> the first of his kind. Well, he was actually the... The third or fourth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but those clandestine men are quite the, the fad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, well, it's almost, 
I one thing I I, I love action adventure movies, but the obsession with uh, this the superhero thing, I just oh man, it has. So it's let's talk a little far. bit about let's talk the about characters. Let's talk. Let's, let's talk about action heroes. So we go from Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So I'm who, kind of the original action hero with Batman and Robin, right? Certainly. I mean, the comic, I'm, the I'm not. Are, we are. We are just now. We are not in. A, we are jumping <laughs> off the deep end, and we are not. <laughs> we are not going down the right thing. So, so caution yeah. ahead. Health, healthcare, business. Self-help books, skiing, wheel, that's in our wheelhouse. So for all Here of you go. guys who know actually about the evolution of comic books and all of this stuff. Action heroes. We yeah, are going to we take apologize. a completely horrible stab at it. <laughs> but uh, I promise you it will be entertaining. So so, so how did it all begin? Well, it, it, it started with actual bore. Yeah, you know, international conflicts. Exactly. <laughs> that, that were number one. That were really uh, that were really tenuous, and then. From, well, in our lifetime, we can just talk about us because that's probably yeah. Ninja Turtles. Sure, Ninja the Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, I feel like that you had Power Rangers on the scene. You had yeah, those Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think like Bond was a reflection of the culture at that point. Suave. Bond was super cool. Well, and it was a component of the Cold War too, mm-hmm. because the Cold War was basically at the height when Bond kind of hit the scene, which was there's all these clandestine operations, and here's the best one, the best guy. He he it. just look at how he gets whatever he wants. He goes into all these ridiculously hairy scenarios and walks out with a girl. You know, yeah. just grabs the gal, yeah. gets out of there. Thing blows up as he's walking away. So he's he's one of the original kind of action heroes. Uh, then you got the academic action hero in Indiana Jones. Then you got the comic. You had the comic books, which I feel like comic books were around sort of since like the 40s and 50s. So maybe those guys. But Definitely. They were, but they were cartoons and didn't quite make it to the big screen until now. the 2000s. Until now. Yeah. And now everybody's reaching back into the archives of like. Now they're just trying to recreate as many heroes as possible. They're giving them random ass things that they're really good at. Like Deadpool, he's just a—he's blind. Even, I, don't, I don't even know what that guy. What was his talent? Is he just funny? I, I, I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know. I, I try not. I try to avoid most of those. The most Marvel of those. and whatever those other. You know, it's just not something that I. I really want to go spend my time and money on because. I, I'm I gonna guess know. the plot. Yeah, <laughs> I, if I if I had to guess what was gonna happen, I would say that. There's going to be some sort of international or galaxy. Galaxy now. We're, yeah. we're in like blowing up galaxies. Well, I, I did see how those movies are filmed. They're filmed entirely in a green screen. Really? The whole With thing. With an iPad? Pretty much. <laughs> no, they have real heavy kind of equipment to... To fig to throw them around, you know, and to get yeah, the scenes yeah. So they're they're wearing wires, but I'm not kidding. They're just it's be it's, so awkward. it's just a green it's just a green environment, and then everything is CGI. Oh, does it make sense? A lot of the effects I don't think are real. So. Yeah, 
yeah. Yeah, that is certainly a lost art. The uh, So, yeah, I think the sensationalizing of the characters is coming. Like, there's all these... You know, they all have these skills of like, oh, I'm su- when I get super mad, I turn green. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like, I'm the smartest man in the world. So I build a, I build a suit and I jump in and I become un- unbelievable. So well, and, just- and everybody except Superman has that extreme weakness to go with their extreme power. Oh, of course. You know, you got to make it somewhat interesting. Yeah, like there's, he's perfect on every account except for this one thing that. Nobody knows about except for the bad guy. Yeah, that will ultimately be the opportunity that it gets really close to him dying. But but eighty nine percent of the way in, mm-hmm. he's he's gonna die, or very close to it, or will actually die and be brought back to life by another person. I mean, it's mostly a girl. It's just it's just absurd, if you ask me. So yeah, our trend of. Matt Damon had moved on from that genre because well, the documentaries, know, they kept copying it, copying him. There are going to be superhero renditions of Matt Damon's life in a few years. <laughs> this whole water thing is going to turn into quite, the, it's quite gonna, the clip. It's going to be a real saga how his relationship with Stella Artois is, a, is swinging oh, in the balance. It's just... It's it's like the partnership of Steve Wozniak and, and Steve Jobs. We got we got Matt Damon hanging in the balance with the Belgian beer company who's Belgian trying to beer. make a trying to make a statement about clean water. And yeah. they are they are making a statement and they are solving the problems of the world. And I I think that's good for them to, well, I, to do. I do too, and I, I I think it's good to have a Super Bowl ad every year. That shows everybody what you're doing. Too. Exactly, it's good to spend five to ten million telling everybody we need clean water. Mm-hmm. I'm glad somebody has taken a hold of that. You know, and if we chose one human being, well, if I if I had the, the ability mm-hmm. to, to go across every single person mm-hmm. and choose one person, I think it would be the Matt Damon. You're telling me you'd pass up Kim Jong Un. Close second. Close second. Well, I'd make a, maybe a foot race between the two to see who won. <laughs> <laughs> Just the last uh, bit of stri- uh, about of strength or endurance to see. What What if you had... Or a chugging contest or something cool. What if you had like... Uh, Advantage KJEU. Yeah, what if you had sort of like a competition for who would be the person that the, unit, that the world would select to like solve whatever the problem is? Like the president? Yeah, well, no, but like a skills camp, like a skills challenge, like American Ninja Warrior meets American Gladiators meets meet, Jeopardy meets Jeopardy, but uh, way more obscure. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like solve, you know, solve this puzzle. Just be careful though, because if ABC or CBS gets wind of this, oh. <laughs> there's going to be a reality there's TV show be. pretty soon. Oh man. So patent pending on that idea. Yeah, yeah, we're actually you working on that. We're working on a script. Uh, we called it the President 2020. It's yeah. <laughs> President. You uh, will vote. I think it's actually called Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are already doing it. It is already yeah. on TV. We are completely copying an idea. But but all you have to do is instead of making it about the prize money you got to make it about the opportunity to like start the next tom's shoes company yeah exactly. because <laughs> then you know you bring out the a-list celebrities oh yeah then you'd have all the good ones not the washed up ones that 
No. Want to show like, up and do Dancing with the Stars? These are like the top no, brass. This I mean, is your Ben Affleck's, your mm-hmm. Matt Damon's. You're just those two guys. <laughs> pretty much. Yep. You're gonna get them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Leonardo would show up. I don't know. He might. But if it were if it were a humanitarian cause like that, you'd uh, you'd attract some fame. Oh yeah. That's how you George Clooney would come up, probably sponsor the event. He would. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd participate because just can't. No. Can't no. Root, he can't screw it up. He's got too much going for him. So. <laughs> yeah, he's he's real concerned about <laughs> his got, public image. He's got way too much going for him. So. All right, folks, that's all we got for you tonight. Tune in next week when we'll be back here kicking it in the rumble street. Uh, uh.